This is a Hot Pie Original. Hi, this is Pat Pearson and Hot Pie Media, bringing you Stop Self-Sabotage. I'm going to be bringing you this program every week, and we're going to be delving into the wonderful messiness of our lives. We're going to be talking about your hopes, your fears, and the emotional issues that you need to resolve to make you even happier will be discussed at all all the times we're together. In this process, you got to ask yourself, what's in it for you? Well, what's in it is an uplifting information, renewed hope, and some fabulous people who are going to come in to share their life stories. All of it wrapped up in a wonderful container to help you deserve even more of life's great adventure. Come join me. We're going to have a good time on Hot Pie Media, Stop So Sabotage. Passion for life. We start to talk about passion and all kinds of ideas come up. You know, when I'm giving speeches and I have for my career gone around the country uh, uh, giving speeches and I've also worked on cruise lines, which is great fun. And I gave a talk on um, a cruise line and I was talking about passion for life. And as you do that, you kind of become the therapist for the, the cruise line. Of course, that's my background, psychotherapist. So this lovely couple came up to me after my speech and they said, well, would you have lunch with us? And I said, sure, of course, I'd love to. So I sat down, I had lunch and we were kind of, kind of waiting for what the question was going to be, because of course there was going to be a question there that they had. And they turned to me and they said, the, the man was 91 and the lady was 87. And this was the world cruise. They were going around the world and they'd been on it now for two months. So they had met and they'd fallen in love. And so they asked me, do you think it's too soon for us to marry? And I looked at them and I said, seize the day. Come on. I mean, he's 91 and 87. So passion and love and uh, passion for life have no age determinants on them. You can be passionate at 10 and you can be passionate at 110. So we're going to talk today about what that is and how do you create passion for life? First of all, I want to share uh, a story because, you know, passion is always in intertwined with the whole idea of, uh, uh, of having a full sexual experience, having uh, a life that is, uh, you know, on fire and having great things happen. So let me tell you about um, Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong landed on the moon. He was the commander of the Apollo Lunar Module. He was the first person to set foot on the moon. His first words after stepping on the moon were, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. These words were televised around the world. They were heard by millions and millions of people. But just before he re-entered the lander, the lunar lander, he made the remark, good luck, Mr. Gorski. Now, many people at NASA thought it was a casual remark concerning some rival Soviet cosmonaut. However, 
Upon checking, there was no Gorsky in either the Russian or the American space program. Over the years, many people questioned Armstrong as to what good luck Mr. Gorsky meant. Armstrong always just smiled. Then one day in Tampa, Florida, while answering questions following a speech, a reporter brought up the 26-year-old question to Armstrong. This time, he finally responded. Mr. Gorski had died, so Neil Armstrong felt he could answer the question. In 1938, when he was a kid in a small Midwestern town, he was playing baseball with a friend in the backyard. His friend hit a ball, which landed in the neighbor's yard by the bedroom windows. His neighbors were Mr. and Mrs. Gorski. As he leaned down to pick up the ball, young Armstrong heard Mrs. Gorski shouting at Mr. Gorski, sex? You want sex? You'll get sex when the kid next door walks on the moon. Good luck, Mr. Gorski. (laughs) All right. Passion. Let's define passion. Definition of passion. Passion is the excitement and wholeheartedness that accompany a powerful emotional investment in a cause, career, or relationship. I had the pleasure of knowing Nancy Brinker. Nancy Brinker was the founder of the Susan G. Komen Foundation. Susan G. Komen was Nancy Brinker's sister. Susan died of breast cancer and on her deathbed asked Nancy, to do something about it. Nancy not only took that to heart, but she used her passion for her and her love for her sister to create a foundation that has now for the last 30 to 40 years helped breast cancer survivors and is worldwide in its, in its um, uh, reach and achievement. So that's a passionate cause. Another definition of passion is joyful zest for life, a way of being that celebrates one's experience. So you can just enjoy yourself, have a zest. We all know people who are filled with the the love of life and it's just fun to be around them. Maybe they joke all the time. Maybe they just are, are appreciative and tell people how much they appreciate them. But there's something that is joyful that comes out of them. As Annie Mame said, Life is a banquet and most poor people are starving to death. So a zest for life, definition of passion. I want you to think of a person of passion. It can be somebody you admire. You can know them or not know them. And I want you to think of the qualities that you think make them a person of passion. And it can be someone that is um, historical, Michelangelo, uh, Nelson Mandela, JFK, Beethoven, Einstein, or your grandfather. Take a moment and think of the qualities that they exhibit that would make them a person of passion for you. Now for me, the person I identified with was Catherine Hepburn. Many of you may not even know her. She was a big star in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, uh, even into the 60s, uh, film star. But she was elegant, and she was focused, and she was great at what she did. Now, those traits that I think of of Catherine Hepburn are also the traits that I want to emulate. Uh, 
and that I wouldn't even be uh, attracted to her if in some way I didn't have at least a little bit of that in me. But I want to expand it. So how do you expand your passion? Well, you expand it by understanding some of the ways that other people have used passion to make great things happen. Now, there are two kinds of passion. They're focused passion, which has to do with doing. And in my definition, doing creates self-confidence. And focused passion has to do with the concept of flow. Flow is a book written by a man named... This is very hard to say. <laughs> Cheek sent high. Uh, that's his last name. Um, and his first name is Malawi. He wrote a book. He was a Harvard psychologist. He wrote a book called Flow. And what he did in that book is he studied Olympic athletes, ballerinas, musicians, hobbyists, whatever he could find that people focus their passion, maybe even in ping pong, whatever. But anything that you do that creates inside of you a sense that you are in a focused and passionate activity. I have a, a husband who is in love with cars. And when he works on his cars, time stands still. Now, let me give you the four components of how you know you were in focused passion. Number one, if you're focusing your passion on whatever it is that you're passionate about, there's a voluntary stretching of your abilities, meaning that you're learning something or delving into something that is more than what you know right now. Voluntary stretching. Number two, there's a present centeredness. You are focused right here, right now. You're not making your grocery list. You're not going over your schedule for the next week. You are in the now. You're in the present. And you have a devoted commitment to what you're doing. You can't be distracted. You can't be pulled off. You are in it. And you have an attitude of choice. You don't have to do this. This is something you love. This is something that is giving you something. You can even do this reading. It doesn't have to be an active activity. So voluntary stretching, learning something new, being stretched in your abilities, present centeredness, being in the present, a commitment to doing the task, and an attitude of choice. You are choosing it. This is what creates focused passion and flow. Now, achieving it, is flow. The task is challenging and requires skill. We concentrate. They're clear goals. We get immediate feedback. You know what you're doing and if it's working. We have a deep, effortless involvement. There's a sense of control of what we're doing and our sense of self vanishes and time stops. I can go out to the garage and find my husband who's been working on a um, apart for hours and he's still all involved in it. And I'm going, wow, could you take a break for lunch? And he doesn't even want to because he's so in the flow. Now to achieve this, I want you to think, what do you do that so focuses your attention that you lose track of time? What is it in your life that is your focused passion? Okay, 
there's another form of passion. And this is why, what I call joie de vivre passion. And it's the passion of being. It creates self-esteem. It's unconditional acknowledgement of life's pleasures, a sunset, a warm day in the sun, it watching your grandchildren or watching your children or being somewhere and just taking that moment to go, this is lovely. Could be cuddled up in bed. Doesn't matter. But it's an acknowledgement of life's pleasures. Great meal. Acknowledging the positive feelings of savoring, basking, claiming the moment, having uh, the feelings that this is really a positive experience. And then having the permission to pursue them, whatever those um, pleasures are that you want to do that's giving you something. So what do you, okay, here's the exercise I want you to do. What do you love to be part of that gives you joy? How can you increase that passion? How can you find your bliss? How can you in have more joy in your life? Now I want to share with you a little poem here that has to do with, with uh, experiencing this kind of passion, the passion of being, the passion of uh, really acknowledging pleasures in your life. It's from a woman who was a very famous writer um, many years ago called Irma Bombeck. And she wrote a little story. It said, if I had my life, to live over. If I had my life to live over, I would have gone to bed when I was sick instead of pretending that the earth would go into a holding pattern if I weren't there for a day. I would have burned the pink candle that was sculpted like a rose before it melted in storage. I would have talked less and listened more. I would have invited friends over for dinner, even if the carpet was stained or the sofa faded. I would have eaten popcorn in the good living room and worried much less about it. I would have taken the time to listen to my grandfather talk about his youth. I would have sat on the lawn with my children and not worried about grass stains. I would have cried and laughed less while watching television and more while watching life. I would never have bought anything just because it was practical, on sale, or guaranteed to last a lifetime. Instead of wishing away nine months of pregnancy, I would have cherished every moment and realized the wonderment growing inside me was the only chance in my life to assist God in a miracle. When my kids kissed me, I would never have said, later, now go get washed up. There would have been more I love yous, more I'm sorry's, but mostly, given another shot at life, I would seize every minute, look at it, and really see it, live it, and never give it back. Stop sweating the small stuff. Don't worry who doesn't like you, who has more, or who's doing what. Instead, let's cherish the relationships we have with those who do love us. Let's think about what God has blessed us all with and what we are doing each day to promote ourselves mentally, physically, emotionally, as well as spiritually. This was written one month 
before she died of cancer. You know, I had a wonderful experience several years ago when I took um, two of my friend's children to see a movie called Beauty and the Beast. And in the movie, of course, most of you know the story, you know, the beast is um, really a prince in disguise and he needs love to unlock him and for him to come back into the world and stop being a beast. And when at the end of the movie, when I took out the two little kiddos, one girl, one boy, I asked them, I said, Jane, Richard, what did you learn by watching this movie? And Richard, little precocious five-year-old turns to me, he goes, I learned she can never be ugly if you have love in your heart. Well, <laughs> I almost cried right there. Oh my gosh, did he sum it up? So passion for life means loving and being loved and understanding that that is the gift that we give each other. Now, how we do that is a whole nother issue. And I want to talk now about a fascinating book called Love Languages. Love Languages is a book written by a man named Gary Chapman, in which he says that everyone has a language that we like to be loved in or through. And these languages are different for different people. One person wants words of affirmation. They want to be told that they're loved and appreciated. Another one wants quality time, spending real time. Another one would like to get gifts as an acknowledgement of love. Some people, their love language is an act of service. You do something for them. And because you do it for them, they feel loved. And another one is physical touch. So these five love languages, words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. So this is a very interesting process because not only do we have our own love language, but if we're dealing with someone like a partner, they have theirs. And this is a time when we need to understand that we want to give to people in the love language that they most want. All right. So let's talk about this for a second. Okay, this is interesting because in this case, um, the golden rule doesn't apply. All too often we give out what we want back. So if my love language is quality time, then I will give people quality time as a, as a gift because I think if I want it, they want it. And it may or may not be their love language. So in this instance, we have to really focus in who we're giving it to and what they want. So the more we can give to another, what he or she wants, the closer the relationship and the more we'll receive what we need. So one question here is, what is your love language? And what is the love language of your um, significant other? Now, let me share with you a kind of um, a breakdown of this so we can get more clarity on what our lo love languages are. Okay, I'm going to go through each one of them. Words of affirmation. Uh, as a love language, that means that the communication you want is compliments, affirmations, kind words. The actions you want are notes or cards, phone calls during the day, or went on trips to check in and tell them, tell you that you're cared about and loved. And what you want to avoid is criticism. Those are for people whose main love language 
is words of affirmation. Now we have a main love language and we have a secondary because many of you may be thinking, wow, you know, I've got all of them or I've got a couple of them. And you may well indeed. Okay. So that's words of affirmation. Quality time is another one. Quality time, the communication is one-to-one, not interrupting, face-to-face conversation. The actions are to take walks together, spend evenings together, taking trips, sharing hobbies, spending time. What to avoid? Long periods apart, more time with friends than with your partner or your spouse. Those are things to avoid with someone who has quality time as their love language. Receiving gifts. It's another one. It's one of my favorites. (laughs) The communication needs to be positive and fact-oriented conversation. The actions means needs to be giving gifts on special occasions and for no reason. But don't forget birthdays. (laughs) And what to avoid? Forgetting special days. Right. The fourth one is acts of service. Action, the communications are action words like I can, or how can I help you, or what can I do? The actions are helping with house and yard chores, repair and maintenance without being asked. I love that. Acts of kindness. What to avoid? Ignoring your spouse's or partner's requests while helping others. Okay, physical touch. The communication is a lot of nonverbals, body language, and expressions that are positive. Verbals need to be word pictures. The actions are touches, hugs, pats, kisses, anything that displays physical touch. What to avoid? Obviously, physical neglect uh, or abuse, uh, rushed lovemaking. So physical touch. Now, sometimes if we give to somebody in the love language that we have, if it's not theirs, they're not going to appreciate it. And so sometimes the the misses people have in their lives is that you're trying to express to your partner or your child or someone that is important to you, the love language that, that's your home base and it's not theirs. So if that happens, what you're going to see is if your requests are expressed to someone whose love language is different from yours, your requests may come across as nagging or criticizing or may be ignored because he or she doesn't understand that language. They don't speak it. It's therefore important to a relationship that both parties understand their own love language and can communicate that to the person who they want to receive it from. So... What is your love language? Of these five, words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, physical touch. What sings your song? What's your main one? And what's your backup one? And then what is your significant others? And this can be children, friends, spouse, partner, whoever. Or do you know it? And if you don't know it, maybe you need to talk about it. Be fun thing to talk about. Now, if you know their love language, then you will know how to fill their emotional tank when they're low. If someone is very negative, their love tank is low. 
if they've been beat up by the world, if they're complaining, if they're constantly being negative, then they need to have their love tank filled. So you give to him in his language or her. When guys get hurt, they withdraw and get quiet or make negative comments. When women get hurt, sometimes we try to talk more. But to realize if you want things to be better, you have to change first. So take responsibility and give to your partner or spouse or friend what they need to feel like they are being truly cared about. That's how you re-enliven passion in your life. You know, as a practicing therapist, I had to take uh, classes in um, sexuality and learning how to work with people, uh, of course, about their uh, uh, their issues in that in that area of passion. And I studied with a man who was one of the first people to work with Masters and Johnson, and they were the breakthrough sex therapist in the 50s that studied people's habits and performance. And he told me this story. He, and it's a true story. Masters and Johnson were out there giving speeches and every speech they would uh, stand up in front of the um, audience and they would say, okay, we need to do a survey of sexual frequency. Who in here has sex twice a week? Hands went up. Once a week, hands went up. Every three months, some hands went up. Every six months, a couple of hands went up. And then they said, there's always somebody who only has sex once a year. Is there anybody in here like that? In the front row, there was a man and he was waving his arms. He was jumping up and down. And they looked at him and they said, well, you know, this is really interesting. Usually people who have sex only once a year are a little bit depressed. And they looked at him. They said, what's, what's your story? He goes, tonight's the night. <laughs> Love languages create more passion in both your life and the people who you love's life. So I want you to take a moment, think about it. How can I show up today, this afternoon, this evening, and give to my people in my world to fill up their love tank and watch how great that will feel to them? And by extension, you're going to feel better too. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home on the web at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.